0: Welcome to our ongoing series sponsored by Catholic Church Reform International. I'm your host, Renee Reed. Our guest today is Father Thomas Rees, a Jesuit priest whose column for a religious news service, Signs of the Times, appears regularly in the National Catholic Reporter. For years, Tom was an associate editor of America Magazine, where he wrote on politics, economics, and the Catholic Church and later became an Editor-in-Chief until 2005. He was also a a Senior Fellow at the Woodstock Theological Center until 2013. Tom, welcome. So glad to have you on the show.
1: Wonderful to be be with you, Rini.
0: You are getting ready to head to Rome for the coming Amazonian Synod, which for our audience will take place from October 6th through the 28th sheer size makes the amazon important since it includes brazil and eight other countries with millions of people over thousands of square miles but tell me why is this synod so important to pope francis
1: well i think it's important to pope francis for a number of reasons Uh, first of all obviously uh, the Amazonian region is in uh, Latin America, and Pope Francis is from Latin America. So he has been paying attention to the issues uh, uh, that are important to the Amazon for, you know, for most of his life. Uh, but uh, also, this is an extremely important synod for Pope Francis because it's gonna deal with three major issues that are very close to his heart. Uh, first, the, the question of uh, justice for indigenous peoples. Uh, the Amazon uh, region has all sorts of indigenous people living there who are being exploited and, uh, and frankly murdered uh, often uh, and having their land stolen from them. Secondly, uh, it's an extremely important topic to him because of uh, his concern for the environment and global warming. Uh, the Amazonian rainforest uh, is has been described as the lungs of the earth. Uh, and uh, uh, without the Amazon uh, rainforest, we, we, I, I just don't know how we would uh, deal with uh uh, all the carbon that's in the air because uh, it's one of the major places where carbon is taken out of the air uh, and put back into, plant, uh, uh, into plants and, and that sort of thing. And then finally, the other topic that's very close to his heart is the topic of evangelization. How do you preach the gospel uh, to uh, indigenous peoples, indigenous cultures? Uh, this is something that's uh, very important to him. So these three p- topics are, are really uh, what the Amazonian uh, Synod is all about.
0: And this victimization of the, of the in, in, indigenous people, this is still going on.
1: This Absolutely. hasn't stopped. No, no, it has not stopped at all. Uh, you know, there are all sorts of uh, economic and political interests uh, that see the indigenous people as, as weak, as marginalized, as uh, what they would call primitive, and therefore, uh, you know, just steal their land, uh, force them away from their ancestral territories, uh, and uh, just take everything they have. And in fact, not only that, they've also been you know rounded up and forced into slave labor to to do the work for some of these industries so uh this this is going on right now today uh and uh human rights uh, leaders including uh, many religious sisters who have spoken out and defended them and fought for their rights have been have been killed executed uh by uh by uh, these, these uh, people, uh, you know, representing these interests, these economic interests in this area. So uh, this, is, this is going on right now, you know, but there's no cameras, there's no TV. There's, there's very few reporters uh, in these hundreds of square miles. Uh, and when they come, they can be uh, ignored and things will calm down for a while. So, but, you know, they go home and then goes back to things as usual. Uh, because there is no uh, there's no law and order in these areas this is like the Wild West uh, without Marshall Dillon and uh, the exploiter the people with guns uh, are the people with power Uh, and uh, they uh, they are uh, they feel total impunity uh, in attacking uh, indigenous people and stealing from them
0: I'm sure that besides defending the human rights of the indigenous peoples, the Pope also wants the Synod to look at how Christianity could be adapted to them and to their culture. I know this is a majorly controversial uh, issue with France's conservative critics, but why? What he wants seems to be so basic.
1: Well, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, I think when the bishops gather in Rome starting on Sunday, uh, there there are going to be pretty solid agreement that you know you should respect the human rights of indigenous people and that you should not destroy the environment. Uh, I think that uh, most of the bishops will be on board with Pope Francis on on these issues. It's the political people that will be and the economic interest that will be uh, against Pope Francis and trying to say that he's interfering in in politics and economics, areas that uh, church leaders should stay away from. Uh, In any case, but you know, as far as the uh, bishops are concerned in internal church politics, it's the issue of how do you enculturate Christianity in indigenous cultures. That's going to be the controversial issue. I'm afraid that too many, um, too many bishops were trained to think of European Catholicism as the ideal, uh, and frankly sometimes as the only version of Catholicism. And uh, as a result, uh, they want to impose this on indigenous people. That means you, you know you got to turn them into little Euro- Europeans uh, before they can become Christians. Now we used to impose Latin uh, on everybody in the world. You know, we're I remember. not. Do- <laughs> yes, I I remember too as an altar boy, uh, learning all those, memorizing all those responses, not having a clue what they meant. But memorizing them anyway, uh, and you know that's no longer the case. But you know we we need to go beyond that. You know how do we adapt the liturgy for indigenous cultures? That doesn't mean just translating uh, the text as we have it. Uh, for these places. No, I mean, there has to be a lot more adaptation of the liturgy so it fits uh, these cultures. Uh, you know, I mean, the kind of liturgies we have today, you know, grew out of, uh, of European culture. Uh, basilicas, uh, you know, were the meeting places of the of Romans. Uh, you know, the, You know, indigenous people in jungles don't meet in basilicas. You know, they they meet in a thatched hut around a fire uh, and uh, meet as a community and have their own ways of expressing things.
0: Well, let's Uh, be creative for a moment. What do you imagine should mass and the sacraments look like
1: among people living in the Amazon? What should it be? I, to be perfectly honest, I don't have a clue. I think that, you know, we in the, the first world should not come up with solutions for people living in the Amazon. This is why it's so important that the church listens to the people in the Amazon, listens to the indigenous cultures, and listens with respect and with an open heart, an open mind uh, to them you know where do they find the spirit where do they find religious values where do they communicate and how do they communicate with god and we should look at that and say where is the spirit speaking to these people uh and then that is the way Uh, we find uh, uh, ways to enculturate Christianity first by looking at what is positive and good in these cultures now we don't say that everything in their cultures is good no more than we say that everything in our cultures is is good Uh, but you know we approach it with an open mind and listen and, you know, and allow them to be creative, to try different things. You know, and frankly, this means experimentation, you know. And at the beginning, sometimes uh, experiments work. Actually, very rarely. Usually, they don't work. Well, okay, then we try something else. And frankly, bureaucrats in the Vatican are not, they don't like experimentation. Uh, They fear experimentation. All bureaucrats everywhere fear experimentation. But you know, uh, enculturation is an art. It's not a science. You know, you don't put various variables in a computer and out pops uh, a liturgy for you. No, Uh, you need to bring in artists, creative people, uh, singers, poets, uh, you know, uh, spiritual people uh people who are respected in the community as spiritual leaders you bring them together and help you know and uh, allow them to be creative and responding Uh, you know remember the eucharist as it was originally celebrated by jesus was you know the uh, the apostles were were sitting on the floor uh, probably lying on pillows uh you know and uh just the sharing cart- a meal together it's that sh- simple that's right in the eucharist actually the sh- you know the sharing of the body and blood of christ actually happened in the middle of a meal now the church evolved and changed that well uh you know how should uh, the church evolve and change uh in an indigenous community Maybe they might actually want to go back to the way Jesus originally did it. Who are we in the first world to say that this is wrong? Uh, You know, I I think that we have to be open to having the liturgy celebrated in different ways.
0: You mentioned the protection of the Amazon environment is one of the key topics and of real, real interest to Pope Francis. I know this coming weekend in Sacramento, California, Call to Action is having a workshop and with young people, and young people's top of the list concern, I think, is the environment and global warming and the threat that it causes to our our environment. I, I know this is going to be probably the most controversial issue at the Synod, but how do we address the to the political conservatives how this has to be addressed or else there is no debate
1: yes uh, i i agree with you uh, i think it is absolutely wonderful that young people uh, are coming out and leading this uh, movement uh, to deal with global warming you know, the uh, the Friday strikes of, of students around the world, the leadership of the, the Swedish uh, uh, girl who has stood up and spoken like a true prophet uh, in front of the United Nations and said, shame, shame on you. Uh, you are stealing our childhood. You are stealing our future. Uh, this is this is important to young people because they realize that you know us older people are creating the world in which they are going to have to live Uh, we in fact are destroying the world in which they are going to have to live Uh, future generations are going to look back on my generation and say how could they have done that how could they have been deaf and blind to the damage that they were doing to the environment uh, that has come down on the heads of people uh, in the future. Uh, this is, you know, this is a moral issue uh, that, and the church has an obligation to speak about moral issues. This is an issue of life and death. Uh, this is an issue of how we are, what kind of a world we will leave to our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, you know, and the damage we are doing, you know, it's not like, oh, you know, okay, well, they'll, you know, give them a few years and they can fix it. No, the damage we are doing will last for centuries, you know, and and uh, it's, it's just appalling, you know. Just take, for example, the refugee crisis that we have today in the world. That we are, you know, uh, that is so tragic and causing so much harm to people, and and you know, causing people, you know, by the thousands to come to our border looking for uh, for help. Well wait until bangladesh is underwater wait until the islands in the pacific are underwater. wait until you know a lot of florida is underwater and our coastlines are underwater you think we have a refugee crisis right now just wait until sea levels have risen you know most cities in the world are near the ocean you know, the subways in New York City are gonna be flooded. There is no way to keep the water out of those sub. I mean, t- 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 New York City is gonna be like Venice. You know, you're gonna, you know, to get from skyscraper to skyscraper, you're gonna have to go by boat. Uh, this is the world we are going to be leaving to our grandchildren. This is just terrible. And our generation has to do something and do something now.
0: I know that we can't expect this synod to solve the environmental problems, but I'm so glad that that it's bringing international attention to the issue. In their most recent book, Hillary and Chelsea Clinton have written a book, Gutsy Women, and when they were asked who is the number one gutsy woman in your mind right now, they named the young girl from Sweden when she spoke to the UN. So I'm rooting for young people that as they grow into maturity and start to have more sway in the world, they're gonna address this even when our generation is not.
1: You know, and young women are the leaders in this uh, revolution, in this movement uh, to deal with uh, with global warming. It's very interesting when you look at the crowds and. And more and more of the leaders in the environmental movement and, you know, and the movement against global warming are young women. Uh, this, they realize how important this is, and it's just wonderful to see them standing up and taking a leadership role in responding to this crisis, frankly, that was made mostly by men.
0: That, that's also true of the gun control issue here in America. It's primarily young women who are standing up, speaking out and organizing. I am so proud of young people today. Some people complain that young people have dropped out of church and don't have any spirituality anymore. Well, they do. But their expression of being a presence of Christ in the world today is about these kinds of issues not about proving their christianity by showing up at church on sunday i'm really i'm really proud of them
1: i am too i i think this is this is the way you live your christianity i think this is one of the things about that i love about pope francis he is more concerned about how you live your faith than how you explain it you know the Uh, The technical term theologians use is orthopraxis as opposed to orthodoxy. You know, Matthew 25, uh, where Jesus describes the last judgment, uh, you're not asked to recite the answers to the catechism. What you're asked is, you know, did you give uh, uh, food to the hungry, drink to the thirsty, uh, clothe the naked? Uh, How did you live your faith? And that is an emphasis that Pope Francis is putting on. I, you know, I am, you know, I, I have been very disappointed by many actions of the Church over the last uh, uh, 30 years. Uh, About last 50. <laughs> 50 years, yeah. Uh, but you know, this synod, I think, I'm going to be pretty proud of of the Church uh because it's taking on issues because of pope francis it's taking on issues that are really important issues of the environment issues of justice for indigenous people and you know how do we preach the gospel how do we live our christianity in 21st century uh you know i uh, uh i'm not surprised that young people have left the church uh, they've been scandalized by the actions of the church, uh, taking the wrong side on many issues in terms of uh, uh, women's rights and uh, and the rights of gay people. This has been a scandal to say nothing of this sex abuse crisis. And frankly... Finally, with, with, France's,
0: with France's presence, the church is on the right side of history, finally, on this environmental issue.
1: Yes. But yes. As very you much. name
0: the topics that are that are forthcoming in this synod, another one is the possibility of ordaining married men, and really, the I think the primary reason for this is that there's such a shortage of priests to serve such a huge area as the Amazon. But I think, as far as I can remember, this is the first time in centuries that the Church has put the topic of married clergy actually on the agenda of an international meeting of bishops. I was in San Paolo at a meeting last summer sponsored by Global Council Network, and one of the presenters there spoke about the Amazon Synod, and he predicted that the outcome of the issues like ordaining married men is going to be have real impact on the universal church worldwide. Do you think so too? Do you agree with him?
1: I think, I think that is absolutely true. I mean, you know, some of the conservatives forget that, you know, uh, the apostles, all of them except uh, Saint John, were married. Uh, Saint Peter, the first pope, was married. We know that because of the gospel, Jesus cured his mother-in-law. You know, we, we had about a thousand years of a married clergy uh, and then, about the last thousand years, we've had this rule of celibacy. It is a law. It's not doctrine. Laws can change in the church. And what I love about Pope Francis is that he is willing to have a conversation about this. He's willing to have a debate, a discussion. You know, dialogue, we Dialogue, 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 he says, said over <laughs> and over. <laughs> Absolutely. He's not afraid of uh, people disagreeing with him or having a... A debate and you know the question we ultimately have to ask here is how seriously do we take the Eur- Eucharist? How important is the Eucharist to a Catholic community? Uh, and you know the sacraments and the Eucharist are, are core to who we are as Christians. If we don't have the Eucharist you know we might as well be a Protestant community of the Word. Uh, the Eucharist is, is key to who we are and if we can't have the eucharist because we don't have enough priests then we got a problem and are we going to sacrifice the eucharist in order to preserve a celibate clergy this is nuts you know uh jesus said do this in memory of me he said that at the last supper he didn't say you know have a celibate clergy and you know in order to have the eucharist available to people around the world to catholics around the world we need more priests and it's quite clear that uh, there are lots of of young men who would be willing to be priests if they could also be married and uh, so uh I think that this is uh, something that's got to happen I hope uh, hopefully it will begin in the Amazon but frankly I think once it uh, takes hold there we will see that we need it in other places I mean there are places in the United States where they can't have mass on Sunday because there's no priest available
0: I know the way that this topic is being presented on the agenda is that the man must be married prior to being ordained. Do you agree with that? Is it it just part of the church's effort to curtail married men being ordained or what?
1: Well, the tradition in uh, in Orthodox uh, community is that a man has to be married before he is ordained. Uh, And I think that's probably kind of what the Bishops are, are, and, and the Pope are, are imitating here. Uh, I think there's the desire to have uh, the, if, if, a, if we're going to have a married clergy priesthood, then he should be married before he is uh, goes to a parish. Uh, you know. I, I have mixed feelings about that. I think that's probably an ideal. That's probably the best. But to say that uh, uh, someone can't get married after they're a priest, I, I just think that's a violation of human rights. But you know, no matter what, we if if we do have, uh, you know, people who are unmarried priests who then are going to get married uh then we're going to have to have very strict professional rules about how you know uh, do we really want a priest dating members of this congregation Uh, that kind of worries me Uh, but you know because uh, the priest has a very uh, special relationship with his community a very uh, powerful relationship with the community and we've seen how many uh, priests and Protestant ministers get in trouble, uh, you know, uh, sexually with their communities and with people that are either under spiritual direction or parishioners. And we've got to have, we've got to really think that through and make sure that we have good professional uh, rules, just as a psychologist does. Ah, uh, just as a psychiatrist does, in how uh, priests and ministers relate to their congregants. The uh,
0: Roman Catholic Church could well learn from the Episcopal Church and other Christian Christian absolutely. denominations who've already been through all of this.
1: I think and you're then absolutely right. What happens when they
0: get divorced?
1: Absolutely, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, we we should learn uh, from them. Uh, you know, if we go this route.
0: And let's also look at reality. We know that there are presently many, many priests who are already in relationships with women all over the world. Sometimes, isn't it time that we legitimize these, if not out of justice to the man, to the woman, and to the to the children that are involved in these relationships? What what should happen there?
1: Well, Pope Francis uh, actually has very been very clear on this. He... He has argued. Uh, he is even before he was pope. He said that uh, any uh, priest who fathered a child should leave the priesthood and be a father to that child. Uh, that the child has a right to a father, uh, and to that, uh, and, and even if the woman doesn't want to marry him, he still has an obligation to that child. Uh, to be a father for that child. So, and what about I,
0: what about the thousands of priests who have left the priesthood to get married? Now, with this new consideration, how about letting them back into the ministry?
1: I think certainly that should be considered. Uh, absolutely, uh, you know, if if uh, uh, there are many uh, good uh, priests who left, got married. Uh, and actually now still work as teachers, as theologians, as spiritual directors, uh, uh, working for the church, uh, who I think could very easily uh, be allowed to uh, uh, function again as a priest. After all, they've got the training already uh, to do it. I think it'd be a waste to not uh, put them to work if uh, they were uh, uh, good, uh, if they could be good priests, uh, for the church.
0: Father Thomas Reese, it's been so good having you on the show. You are going to be in Rome for the entire Amazon synod. i would love to invite you back when it's over so we can reflect on what actually did happen and how the results of this may be carried out. Would love to have you back.
1: Uh, that would be wonderful. I'd uh, I would truly enjoy that. Uh, it's been uh, it's been great uh, being with you. Thanks
0: so much. Till next time.
1: Okay. Bye bye.